Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, so we have been in a series called Everyday Mission, and we've been discussing what the mission of Jesus looks like. And how do we fulfill that mission as a church? And how do we fulfill that mission as individuals? So I'm going to give you some big takeaways from the first couple of weeks. Big takeaway from week number one is that the mission is greater than the method. We cannot allow ourselves as a church or as individuals to become so consumed with how we do things that we become blind that if the method ever stops working, we don't see it. In other words, when we care more about the method than we do the mission, we'll keep doing things that no longer work just because that's the way we've always done it. And the moment that the method becomes more sacred to us than the mission is the moment that we come out of alignment with Jesus. And this is a page right out of the life of Jesus. When he showed up, the method changed. It was no longer about keeping the law of Moses. He showed up and said, I have fulfilled the law. I've come to fulfill the law. Jesus shows up and says things like, you have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He said things like, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, whatever you do to me, I'm going to do it back to you. But Jesus shows up and says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And later, the disciples and the followers of Jesus would have to live this out as they literally prayed for those who were murdering them for their belief in Christ. We can't even pray for those of an opposing political party. Is that too much? (laughs) Jesus showed up and he changed the method. He said, a new command I give you. In other words, you used to do it this way and now we're going to do it this way. All right, that's enough recap on point one before we get all crazy. All right, takeaway two, week number one. And this was very impactful to me. Instead of praying, God, give me the community. Pray instead, God, give me to the community. In other words, instead of praying and hoping that outsiders to the faith will come to us, let's commit our lives to going to them. All right, moving on. Big takeaways from week number two. We talked about the fantastic four from the book of Mark, the four friends who brought their crippled friend to Jesus to be healed. And I gave you five things that we need to do to live on mission. Number one was be flexible. We have to adapt because things don't always go our way. Number two, we have to be tough. You need to be able to ignore criticism and move forward with the mission of Jesus. Number three was be invisible because the mission of Jesus isn't about us. It's about Jesus. We must be marked by fire was number four. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And finally, we need to return to a sense of urgency. There's a real heaven. And unfortunately, there's a real hell. And people's lives are hanging in the balance. We must return to a sense of urgency. All right, let's look again at the mission of Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go... 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And again, next week, we'll be doing water baptisms at the lake. And if you've not been water baptized since you came to Christ or came back to Christ, that is your next step. And he says, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go and make disciples. The language that we have chosen to put around this command is this, to lead everyday people into a growing relationship with Jesus. See, our mission is to go and make disciples. The mission of the church, capital C, the church at large, is to make disciples. The mission of Everyday Church, the mission of Celebration Church just down the street, the mission of Bellevue First Baptist Church just down the road, the mission of Meadowbrook Church, the mission of Church of the Springs and Sacred Fire and Church on the Hill and every Christ-following, Bible-believing church, their mission is to make disciples. But as we previously talked about, the methods in which we do this often differ. Everything from style to strategy can be different from church to church, person to person. A part of the strategy of everyday church is built around our four core values. Authenticity, being spirit-led, community, and generosity. Because we believe that if we live these things well, it will enable us to reach more people, not only as a church, but as individuals. If we are authentic and we're spirit-led and we're generous and we care about our community, it will undoubtedly lead to conversations about Jesus. Now, as we move through the rest of this message, I'll kind of be doing a balancing act. I need you to hear this through two filters between what we feel called to do as a church and also how it applies to us individually. Now, there's a trickle-down effect to to the things that we submit ourselves to. For example, Harvard Business Review conducted a study of high-level managers and their direct reports who were mid-level managers. And what they found was that the characteristics, the work ethic, the habits, good and bad, of the high-level managers was also found in those who worked underneath them. See, we take on the characteristics of those that we spend time with or submit ourselves to. When Adrian was in high school, I could always tell who was hanging around the most, especially if he was hanging around his friend George. George comes from a Hispanic family. He has a certain cadence and accent to the way he spoke. When Aiden was around him a lot, he would speak similar. They just talked exactly the same. And I knew based on how he talked, who he was hanging around. But this is also true in our spiritual lives. See, when you come underneath a ministry umbrella, when we submit ourselves to that authority, oftentimes the same anointing that the ministry carries will be transferred in part to us. And to be honest, that's why we have to be careful as leaders about We're not just as leaders, as people. We have to be careful as people who we allow to have access to our lives. See, many of us in this room have come from places of dysfunction. Some of it was from ministry leaders. And as a result, we carried the dysfunction of our spiritual leaders into our own lives. And why am I telling you this? Because if you hang around everyday church long enough and you submit yourself to this ministry and leadership, you will begin to receive in part the same anointing that's on our lives. And that's part of the reason, this is what I was going to say a second ago, I got ahead of myself, but it's part of the reason why it's important for our leaders to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Because we realize, and we say this all the time, that hurt people hurt people, but healed people, I mean, it's a short way of saying it. We know that Jesus brings the healing, but Jesus will use you as a healed person to bring healing to others. 
That's part of the vision of everyday church. It's to be a place of healing so that we can then bring healing, heal each other. People ask me all the time, what's the vision of everyday church? And in some ways, that's such a broad question. A lot of corporate America and leadership strategies have infiltrated the church, and I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Leadership principles certainly apply to everyone, no matter what you're leading, whether, it's, whether you're a CEO or, or, or the parent in your household. There's leadership strategies that kind of apply across the board, but can all get convoluted at times. Mission statements and vision statements and strategies and core values and this and that. And we certainly use some of that language around here. There are countless books on mission and vision and how they're the same and how they're different and how you should do this and how you should do that. There are people in the room that are way more read on those subjects than I am. And you probably have definitions that you're reciting in your mind for what a mission is and what a vision is and all this kind of things. And others of you are like, I couldn't care less. Please keep going. (laughs) We obviously have a mission statement plastered on the wall back there to lead everyday people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That is our mission. We don't really have an official vision Statement. And so what I'm going to describe to you is what I see or what I visualize for everyday church and how that will enable us to fulfill the mission of Jesus. I've already alluded to this and we'll talk, we talk about it really all the time. But I believe that God has called us to be a place of healing. Not only has he called us, but he's also anointed us. And the anointing can be a real churchy word. Well, I'm anointed to do this or that. Or this person's really anointed. Or I feel the anointing when this person sings. And I feel the anointing when this... Which is. The simple definition of the anointing is this. It's the divine empowerment to perform a task. Divine empowerment to perform a task. So if God calls you to a certain task, He will also anoint you or empower you to perform that task. It doesn't mean you're not going to have to put in some work. Scripture tells us to study, to show yourself approved. If God is calling you to preach, then you better study. If He's called you to be a musician, then you better practice. If He's called you into the medical field, you better go to school. If He's called you to be parents of toddlers, there's nothing, there's nothing really you can do. Just pray. That's all you can do. Let's jump into the Scripture. Isaiah 61 Beginning in verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. We're going to come back and we're going to take a deeper look at some of this in just a moment. But first, let's fast forward about 700 years. Jesus is now on the earth, and He famously quotes this passage of Scripture from Isaiah in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised Him. He went to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. 
And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I don't believe that there are any verses in all of Scripture that better describe what I believe that we are called to do. When we come into alignment with what God has uniquely called us to do, we will fulfill the mission of Jesus. Now, contextually, Isaiah is prophesying to the Jewish people. He's proclaiming a literal freedom from them being held in captive by the Babylonians. And then Jesus shows up in Luke chapter 4 and says, Hey, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. He applied these verses entirely to himself. But instead of a literal freedom from the captivity of Babylon, he's speaking of a spiritual freedom. Because he's also talking about physical healing as he literally healed people. Now I want to go back and dissect some of these words. And I'm going to look at their meaning in Hebrew or the original language that it was written in. And then I'm going to tell you how this applies to us today. So Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Sometimes we read through this and we just take it at surface value and that's good. The word poor means poor or needy. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor and needy. But this comes from a root word called ana, which means to be occupied or busied with. And I wonder how many of us are just too busy or occupied to receive the freedom and the healing that's available to us. He said that he sent me to heal or to bind up the brokenhearted. Brokenhearted means to break in pieces, to shatter, to rend or to tear violently, to crush Listen, there are people all around us. That's their life. This describes people's lives shattered. Their lives have been violently ripped and torn apart. It describes some of you in this room. Your life has been shattered. Maybe it was devastating news. Maybe it was an incurable diagnosis. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was the death of a loved one that left you feeling crushed under the weight of being alone. It doesn't have to be this way for you. It doesn't have to be this way for those that we encounter. Because Jesus came to bind the brokenhearted. The word bind means to tie, to bind or to restrain. You ever been around somebody who's going through something so devastating, but somehow they still seem to hold it together? We say things like, I don't know how they're keeping it together. I don't know how they're holding it together. The truth is they're not. Jesus is. See, there are things that the enemy sends to crush us, but we're held together we're restrained from breaking apart by the hands of Jesus. It doesn't mean it won't be heavy. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. It just means that we're going to make it. He says to proclaim freedom for the captives. And the word I want to focus on here is proclaim. Proclaim is the Hebrew word kara. And it has multiple meanings, but I wanted to focus on just a couple. 
wanted to point out that it means to call out or to summon. Summon means to authoritatively call on someone. Listen, there are people all around us that are in captivity. There are people in this room that are in captivity. There are Christ followers who have been set free but are still captive in some areas of their lives. Jesus said, I came to call out, to proclaim, to call out or to summon the greatness that's on the inside of you. I came to authoritatively call on you to come out of your captivity. I didn't research this, but I'm sure this is a similar thing to what was going on when he called out to Lazarus with authority. He called to the tomb of Lazarus and says, come forth. He's called us to proclaim liberty to the captives. It's our job to call the greatness out of people. To summon or authoritatively or urgently call out the destiny in people's lives. Look, people are beaten up every day of their lives. They're beaten up on social media. They're beaten up on the job. They're beaten up at school. And they're waiting for someone to come along and say, there's greatness inside of you. They're waiting on someone full of the power of God to come alongside of them and call out their God-given potential, to call them out of their captivity, to call them out of their sin, to call them out of their shame. I don't have time to go through each one of these one by one. I'm going to cover just a couple of more. But let me encourage you to dig into God's word for yourself. He says, and to release from darkness... For the prisoners. One version says freedom to prisoners. Freedom means to open the eyes. Prisoner means to tie or to bind. But freedom, open and opening of the eyes. See, there are people all around us. And sometimes ourselves, we're bound and we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. We all have blind spots. Jesus wants to open our eyes to the areas that we're bound. And he's calling us to speak into people's lives and open their eyes to areas they are bound as well. He's calling us to open the eyes of those that we encounter. He says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He says, Those who mourn in Zion. Zion means parched place. Have you ever cried so much that you didn't think you could cry anymore? Within the last few weeks, Aiden and Aubrey lost their grandmother on their mom's side to, to cancer and some difficulties from a surgery. And it was, it was very difficult to watch my kids go through something so devastating. And at one point, Adrian had cried so much, he said, I don't think I have any more tears left. This is where our world is. So deeply wounded, they've mourned until there's no tears left. They're parched and dry. 
Over the summer, Adrian and I <clears throat> helped someone move. We were tasked with taking the stuff out of their storage building into the moving truck and getting it to their house. And uh, I grossly underestimated how long it would take. Um, after a few hours, I began to feel sick. And so Adrian walked across the street to get me some Gatorade. In the meantime, I'm standing on the corner of the storage places, just dry heaving. And it was just, it was a mess. I had to get back in the moving truck, turn on the AC to cool down. I'd never in my entire life experienced anything like this. And I'm one of those guys, I don't know if you've ever, if you feel this way or not, but I'm one of those guys that like, when people act that way, I'm like, come on, you're being very dramatic. <clears throat> They're like, I just can't go on. Yes, you can. Just get up. You, you know what I mean? Like you're thinking mean things in your head. My body's shutting down. No, it's not. You're just an idiot. You're lazy. Get up. <laughs> You ever watch the Survivor shows? Like they haven't had nutrition for a while and they're like, they get up and they're like, oh, it's so hard to walk. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Just get up. That's how I felt. My body was shutting down. I was overheated. I was dehydrated. And all of a sudden I was like, maybe those people aren't sissies. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm a sissy. I don't know. I've never experienced this. Adrian was laughing at me. I was like, I don't know. I think I'm about to go to the hospital. He's like, <laughs> Whatever, you little 22-year-old punk. Someday, you're going to feel like this too. I hope not. Anyway. But this is what I think of when I think about a parched place. It's a place that's hot and dry, and there's no water. There's no shade. It's a place of little to no relief. A place where everyday tasks are more difficult and no matter how hard you try, you just can't perform the way that you want to or even the way that you were designed to. But this is the culture that we're living in, a parched and dry place. People are literally dying from lack of spiritual water. But we have the answer. Jesus said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. He continues to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. A crown of beauty that would be a turban or a headdress that was worn to symbolize royalty or priesthood. But isn't that what Peter described in his epistle, 2 Peter 2 verse 9, when he said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. When I looked at this word ashes, it just hit me right in the gut. Ashes literally means worthlessness. And there are people all around us that just feel worthless. There are people in this room, you feel worthless. Maybe it's because of a decision you made. Maybe it's because of failure in your life. Maybe it's because you were abandoned by a mother or a father or a husband or a wife. Maybe your identity was wrapped around someone in your life who's no longer there. And without that person, you feel completely worthless. God wants to give you a crown of beauty. God wants to bestow on you a turban or a headdress to symbolize your royalty and your priesthood in place of your worthlessness. 
In just a minute, we're going to pray for those who are dealing with some of these issues. And this message is kind of odd in that I'm telling you what I see for our church. I'm telling you what I perceive as our primary, primary calling as a church. But I'm also saying that we as individuals need to be released to bring this kind of healing into the world. It's not just unique to our church, although I do believe this is part of our DNA. It's not only been spoken over our church, but it's just been, God just flows in that way. So many people sitting in this room right now have received healing just from being here for a little while. Some people come in for a short period of time, they, get, they receive healing and then they go out and I'm okay with that. Because God is in the restoring business and if he can use us to restore people through, through the spirit of God and then release them into what they're designed to do, that's exactly what we're talking about. To proclaim, to call out, to summon the destiny that's in people's lives. Jesus is the anointed one. Some of you in the room may know this, but when people say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. Christ is a descriptor of who he is. Jesus Christ. Christ means to anoint or the anointed one. Right? So Jesus, the anointed one. That's that's what Christ means. See, in Luke 4, Jesus inserts himself into this prophecy from Isaiah. Again, while Isaiah was literally prophesying to a nation that was in captivity, Jesus is prophesying to spiritual captivity. Now, this leads us back to the mission of Jesus, back to the Great Commission, so to speak. Jesus gathers his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me. Now go, go in my authority and fulfill the mission. Go in my anointing and do what I have done. You say, well, wait a minute. How can we do what Jesus did? And I know this is a very popular passage of Scripture, a verse. But John 14, 12, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I can do greater things because you're going to the Father. I would rather, Jesus, that you stay here. Why is it important for him to go? We read about that in John 16. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's why it's good that Jesus went away, because until Jesus went away, we could not do the greater things. Until Jesus went away, the Father could not send or would not send the Holy Spirit. And that's how we accomplish these things. That's how we fulfill the mission of Jesus. That's how we become agents of healing in a hurting world. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. As a church, when we're operating in our primary anointing, which I believe is to bring healing, it will enable us to lead everyday people into a growing relationship with Jesus. A small portion of that happens here. Well, let me rephrase that. Probably a large portion of that happens here at this makeshift altar. But I think it should be flipped so that the larger portion happens out there and the smaller portion is here. So that we're no longer... God, give me the community where God give me to the community. And when I go into the community, I'm bringing healing. 
I'm proclaiming life. I'm calling out the destiny. I'm summoning the destiny of God's call that's in people's lives. I'm calling it out of them. I'm prophesying, so to speak, in my place of business instead of cursing it every time I go in. And say, well, I don't curse. Well, if you go anywhere, I hate this place. You're speaking curses over the place where you work. Why don't you try proclaiming the life of God over every place that you go? As individuals, if we're looking for areas to speak life and healing into our culture, it will enable us to make disciples. Because when we're fulfilling that calling, I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? Or he showed up and he met people's needs. Spoke, he called out the destiny in their lives. He, he, he called out healing from people's lives or spoke healing into their life. And And I said this a couple weeks ago, but I believe as we just begin to sow seeds everywhere we go, eventually we're going to reap. We're going to reap a harvest. Adrian, you can come play. Um, let me switch gears just for a minute. I believe that there are people in this room that are brokenhearted. And I don't just mean sad. I'm talking about the biblical definition, shattered. Things in your life have been violently torn apart. Divorce, diagnosis, bankruptcy, loss of a job, whatever. Things just come in like a hurricane or a tornado spiritually. And it's just like you're left with nothing. There are people in the room that have experienced that or maybe you're experiencing it right now. Hear me. Jesus is here and he wants to bring healing. There may be people in the room that all you've ever heard in your life is negative, hurtful words. Maybe someone in authority over you in some way, whether it was a boss or a teacher or a pastor, a parent. They just spoke negativity and hurtful things over your life. Let me be the first to proclaim liberty, to proclaim freedom to your life. Remember, it means to call out or to summon. No longer should you listen to the voice that you're not good enough. No longer should you listen to the voice that says you are worthless. You are a royal priesthood. God wants to replace the worthlessness that you feel with a crown of beauty to symbolize your royalty. You're a son and a daughter of the King, a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You're a prince and a princess. You are royalty. I'm not going to go back over everything that we covered one by one, but I'm telling you that the anointing of Jesus is here to bring healing. And this can be a moment of encounter for you. Maybe you just need a touch from the Lord. You're like, you know, it's been a while since I sensed his presence. And I just need a fresh touch from him just to get through my day or get through my week. Or to Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you're here. You don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to surrender your life to him wholly and completely. 
Maybe you're here and you've been on the fence with that. And you're like, I. God's calling you home today. He's saying, get off of the fence. Listen, we need moments of encounter. But we equally need a life of formation. We're shaped by encounter, but we're sustained by formation. Encounter happens in happens here at the altar. It happens when you encounter someone out in the marketplace or wherever, and you have this moment. That's an encounter that can shape someone. But we need both. We need an encounter of the Holy Spirit, and then we need a life of formation to walk out the things that God does with us in these encountering moments. I asked a couple of folks to help me pray today, and Lewis, would you come up, and Miss Carol's going to come up, and and we're just going to have a moment, and I'm going to invite people to come up just to receive healing from the Lord. I don't know, maybe this is kind of a... We're, I'm not gonna, we're not going to hang out here and force something crazy to happen. If God's touching your heart, <clears throat> then, then you know, I mean, you already, you already sense that, you already feel that. But there are people here that are just, you're living in a state of brokenness and God, he wants to encounter you to bring life change. He wants to bring healing into your life. And then how this plays into the everyday mission is because, again, I've already said this, but when we walk in this anointing to heal, it'll open up conversations to lead people On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.